0: I hope we, uh, together, can walk through this Iran situation and really take a hold of this as a citizenry. You know, ladies and gentlemen, what's troubling to me is that we have an Islamo-Nazi terrorist state that tells us exactly what it plans to do. And we have people in this country who attacking the President of the United States. This is a regime that has killed hundreds of Americans and seeks nuclear missiles aimed at our country. This is a regime that took Americans hostage for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of days. This is a regime that supports Hezbollah which slaughtered over 150 Marines as they slept in their barracks. And I could go on. It is a regime now that is attacking oil freighters for the purpose of preventing commerce through the straits. It is a regime that captured on the open seas American sailors forced them on their knees to beg for their lives. It is a regime that just shot one of our aircraft out of the sky. People can try and minimize this. There weren't any... You know, human beings on the aircraft. That was our aircraft, $180 million. A surveillance aircraft. A spy aircraft. Apparently we can use the word spy in that context. The Red Chinese are watching. Vladimir Putin is watching. North Koreans are watching. Our enemies are watching all over the world. What's America going to do about this? Well, Congress has a brilliant idea. They want to debate it. Then after they debate it, they want to discuss whether they should fund any kind of military reaction in between their investigations of the president of the United States and in between their failures to secure the border and in between their explosive spending that's shooting the debt through the ceiling. So real time, they don't care about real time. Today's Thursday, most of them are jets heading back home. That's the God's honest truth. God's honest truth. Busy undermining the authority of the commander-in-chief all over the world with their accusations about him. So Congress doesn't plan to do anything except if the president actually does something, claim that he's violating the Constitution. Then we have the hard left in this country that believes we are a warmongering country. That we're responsible for these regimes in the world that do what they do. That we are. And then we have these code pink Republicans. You've seen them on TV. You've seen them. You've heard them on radio. Sort of the Buchananite types. But more than just him who say, you know, we've seen enough war, we've been in enough fights, we've spent enough money, enough is enough, and so so be it. You know, what is the right position? The right position is not to be an ideologue about this sort of thing. I've told you many times, conservatism is not an ideology. It's a way of life. It's a reality. And so you need to be prudent. Prudent in foreign policy as you do in other aspects of public policy you need to be prudent nobody's suggesting we send a half a million troops to fight iran nobody but you can't let a islamo-nazi terrorist regime do what it's doing without repercussions But Mark, it's 7,000 miles away or whatever it is. Really? How many times have we heard this? Osama Bin Laden was 7,000 miles away. The Third Reich, what? Thousands and thousands of miles away. Japan, thousands and thousands of miles away before they struck us. In fact, most of these wars have been a result of things that happened thousands and thousands of miles away, so that's not a particularly effective argument particularly with modern military hardware technology so what do we do? let's say we do nothing what happens if we do nothing? Iran will test us some more but in more aggressive ways North Korea maybe they'll test a few more missiles China Maybe it'll threaten us in the South China Sea beyond what they've already threatened. Russia. Well, maybe they'll decide, you know what? Ukraine does look kind of tasty. Let's devour the rest of the Ukraine. I don't know. But I do know this. These are evil regimes. They're watching what's going to take place here not because of anything we've done Joe Biden is a despicable human being and he's been a despicable human being for a long time not just an idiot but a despicable human being what he did as chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee to a number of nominees things he has said about other people but today he says that it's Trump's fault what Iran is doing others have said Cuting Buchanan if there's a war, quote unquote," it's Trump's war. They're trying in advance to tie Trump's hands to deal with the Islamo-Nazi terrorist regime, which at some point, if it's not dealt with, we'll have those missiles with those nuclear warheads on them. And then what? And then what? We've seen this pacifism, this appeasement, this isolationism before. And let me tell you, every battle is not the same. Intelligence gathering is not the same. Look at Iraq and the weapons of mass destruction. What do you mean look at Iraq and the weapons of mass destruction? They just hit four oil freighters and they just shot our drone out of the sky. We're not talking about some kind of six-foot drone. This drone is as big as an airline. And it's our ability to surveil ...in international air over international waters. Well, what do you do about it? Nothing? You should hear all the conspiracy nuts out there. I posted some thoughts this morning on Facebook and Twitter... ...and the nuts come out of the woods. That this is all a false flag, that... ...it's a setup by John Kerry and the Democrats... Are you kidding me? A set up by John Kerry and the Democrats? Or I always get the one, you're not going to war, are you, Mark? So, in other words, we can't have a rational discussion about this. It's Trump's fault, and I'm not going to war, and it is a Democrat false flag. So this is the quality of debate right now. This is the quality of debate. Now when Reagan was confronted with something like this, he acted. He acted. And I talk about this at length tonight on uh, Levin TV. It's called Operation Praying Mantis. And, Mr. Producer, what number would that be here? Do we have that? We do not. Okay. Thought I sent that today. But anyway, we have Operation Praying Mantis. We're going to pull that up. Maybe next segment we're going to play it. He decided to take out Iranian oil rigs. And the Iranians fought back, their Navy did, and he took out half their Navy. No, I know they're stronger now than they were before, but so are we. And no, I'm not an imperialist, a colonialist, a neocon, not somebody who's looking for war. We're not looking for anything. But we need to protect our country, ladies and gentlemen. We need to rally. The same idiotic voices in Congress and in the media are idiotic voices when it comes to this. I want you to listen to this briefly. Go ahead. Since the Karg Island oil terminal had come under repeated
2: Iraqi attacks since early in the war, Iran had switched much of its production to the offshore rigs at Sasan and Siri. On the 18th of April, the frigate USS Samuel B. Roberts issued a warning to the crews of both platforms that they were going to be destroyed. After the Iranians evacuated the platforms, sailors from the Roberts boarded them and discovered large numbers of anti-aircraft guns and missiles. The platforms were then destroyed by gunfire, while aircraft from the carrier enterprise prevented any interference. empty shell cases could be seen bobbing in the water.
0: All right. There were other uh, videos and audios, too, and the point is this. They took out these rigs. Uh, The the Iranian Navy attempted to intercede. In an eight- to nine-hour period, they took out most of the Iranian Navy the battle between our Navy and their Navy was was unplanned uh, but it became the largest naval battle involving the United States since World War II and the Iranians weren't heard from since they weren't heard from since well, they have today and they have over the more recent years, but not for a very long period of time. They'd suffered grievous grievous battle damages. Now this this effort to characterize Reagan or me, or people who believe in national security and self defense uh as warmongers and so forth and so on is really outrageous. John McCain was a radical interventionist. I believe Marco Rubio is a radical interventionist. I am not a radical interventionist. I've never had been. But if you want to provoke war, you allow regimes like Iran, China, Russia, North Korea to continue to advance, to continue to do what they do, And they will do it. And then it becomes increasingly difficult. The options more and more limited. And the casualties higher and higher to address them. To address them. Iran has caused a horrific civil war in Yemen. Iran has been involved in a horrific civil war in Syria. Laughing all the way. Iran has funded its terrorist militia wing. Hezbollah, which has essentially conquered most of Lebanon. Iran has secreted itself into Iraq, where it's influencing the politics there. And Iran is constantly threatening the United States of America. The Democrat Party, worse than appeasement, they funded Iran. The Obama-Biden deal made it possible for Iran to receive billions and billions of dollars which it used mostly for its military, conventional and otherwise. Conventional and otherwise. We're going to talk more about this in a little bit and also in hour eight when Senator Tom Cotton is scheduled to join us. I'll be right back. Mark in. Welcome to Hillsdale. More after the bottom of the hour. I don't have a lot of time here, but uh, I want to make an endorsement for the Republican primary in the U.S. Senate in Alabama. I see Roy Moore has jumped in. I want to endorse Arnold Mooney, who's a state representative, who is a solid conservative, Uh, for the nomination of the Republican Party for the U.S. Senate in Alabama. Later in this summer, I hope to have him on the program. It's a little early now. And I was going to wait on this endorsement, but since uh, Roy Moore has jumped in, look, folks, we've got to not only hold the Senate, but increase it with more conservatives. We've got to take back the House, and we have to reelect the president. It's that simple. I see what's on the horizon, and so do you. I'm not just a squawker behind a microphone telling you how great I am and and all the rest of it. I I am an activist. So the most conservative individual, and he's a terrific individual, who's running for the Republican nomination in the state of Alabama, as far as I'm concerned, is Arnold Mooney. I understand Senator Mike Lee has also endorsed him. That's good. Uh, So I want to make that abundantly clear. And no... I am not and would not support Roy Moore. He had his shot, and he lost. And um, I also happen to know Arnold Mooney's son, Gaston, who's a solid conservative. Works with uh, my program, works with um, Blaze TV, has worked on Capitol Hill. That's not why I'm endorsing him. I just know this is a solid family, and Arnold Mooney is a solid conservative. For what it's worth, that's my endorsement. We'll be right back. <music> Folks, many of our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But sadly, many have lost their way. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse and instead peddle their moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, there's Hillsdale College. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. And as Hillsdale enters its 175th year, their goal is simple and yet profound Please visit hillsdale.edu slash admissions to plan a visit and learn more. That's hillsdale.edu slash admissions. Mark Levin, the most
1: passionate conservative on radio. Talk with him now at 877-381-3811.
0: By the way, I'll be on Hannity tonight on the Fox News Channel, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. I won't be on next week, I won't be on the week after that, and likely won't be on the week after that. So, if you want to see me on TV, other than my own Sunday night show, which I'll be on of course, 10 p.m. Eastern this Sunday, but again, following Sunday I will not. Tonight's the night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, I'll be on Hannity. Somebody in the inner circle around the President of the United States is trying to destroy John Bolton. And I know how this works. Somebody who obviously either doesn't like Bolton or disagrees with Bolton is leaking to the media. Let me prove it to you. Here is a tweet from Alexander Mark Hort. Senior White House official tells me it's Bolton versus Trump on how to proceed on Iran. Trump does not want conflict. Pompeo, Pence, Esper are swing votes. Pompeo is a Triangulator, sources tell, Mitch Kaczynski. The goal is reestablishing deterrence, but that is still very risky, quote unquote. So you have somebody going around the president's back, trying to influence policy, and trying to take out another individual. This really does remind me of the Washington administration, the way Hamilton would go around Washington's back and Jefferson's back, collude with the British. And here we have somebody going around the president's back in order to try and trash Bolton, back then a Jeffersonian type, and use the media to drag him down. And you'll see that some of the individuals, even on my favorite cable network, Fox, they keep attacking Bolton. Other media channels attack Bolton. Liberals attacking Bolton. So this is how they want this to work. Now, I've known Bolton for decades. Bolton will give the president the best advice he can. And then the president will decide. He respects the people he works for. Whether it was the Attorney General of the United States, who I worked for, Ed Meese, and the president I worked for, Ronald Reagan. Or when he was at the State Department or at the U.N., But somebody around the president who is not named in this tweet is trying to destroy Bolton and come between Trump and Bolton. Let me read it again. Senior White House official tells me it's Bolton versus Trump. See the way that's set up? On how to proceed on Iran. Now, folks, we know Trump well enough. If it's Bolton versus Trump, Bolton's out the door. Trump doesn't tolerate that kind of stuff for long. So it's not Bolton versus Trump. This is what this individual, senior White House official, is leaking to the media. It goes on, Trump does not want conflict. Pompeo, Pence, Esper are swing votes. Look how this individual also is demeaning them. Pompeo is a triangulator, sources tell Mitch L. Kaczynski. So it's a put down of Pompeo. The goal is reestablishing deterrence, but that is still very risky. So the individual, again, is leaking to the media, trashing Bolton, hoping to take him out, trashing the others, apparently, who are in these meetings. So somebody, let me work on this with you. Somebody who's in this meeting or these meetings with the president who's not named in this leak on this tweet is the leaker is the leaker so who and I say this for the president who might be listening so who among the people who sat in on these discussions who's not named in this tweet who among those people is their senior White House official who's leaking because you don't want that person anywhere near your Oval Office or Situation Room. Nowhere near, because this is self serving. You need your team to be strong and united, obviously, taking whatever opinions they provide. But for somebody to go after the National Security Advisor at the height of tensions with Iran, you know what that sounds like to me? A politician. Is there a politician in this meeting? Doesn't it sound that way to you, Mr. Producer? An old politician. Is there an old politician on this? I don't even know who's on this staff exactly. But that's what it sounds to me, like a leaker. Somebody's used to leaking. Like a politician. If I knew who was in that meeting, I could probably figure out who the leaker is. But it's not Bolton versus Trump. It's the president making a decision on what to do. And for what it's worth, I would encourage the president not to duck. Need all-out war. It's not necessary. And then we have our legal advisors on television who have been wrong for several years. Why they call them legal advisors, I don't even know. Legal experts, legal analysts. They're schmucks. They should be called uh, legal schmucks. They say the president has to go to Congress for authority. Again, I'll go back to Reagan, 1987, September 24, the L.A. Slimes. President Reagan told Congress today that the Navy attack on an Iranian ship laying mines in the Persian Gulf was conducted under the authority of Article 51 of the U.N. Charter and did not require notification of lawmakers under the War Powers Resolution. In a letter to Congress and an accompanying press release, President Reagan gave a formal account of the incident in which three Iranian soldiers were killed and 26 taken into custody. We regard this incident as closed, he told the lawmakers. He said the United States is taking steps to repatriate the 26 survivors and return the bodies. Reagan's comments came as the Senate debated whether to require the president to report on the incident under the terms of the 1973 law, the War Powers Act, which if invoked would allow Congress to disapprove the stationing of troops in the Gulf within 60 days. Reagan, who opposes the War Powers Act, so do I. It's unconstitutional. You want to stop a president, then you defund the operation. If that's what they want to do, then Congress needs to do it. He said these limited defensive actions, limited defensive actions, have been taken by our armed forces in accordance with international law and pursuant to my constitutional authority with respect to the conduct of foreign relation and and as commander-in-chief. He said, while being mindful of the historical differences between the legislative and executive branches of government and the positions taken by all of my predecessors in office with respect to the interpretation and constitutionality of certain provisions of the War Powers Resolution, I nonetheless am providing this report in a spirit of mutual cooperation toward a common goal. No president since 1973 has accepted that the entirety of the War Powers Act, in some cases that any of it, Uh, are constitutional. Referring to Monday's helicopter attack on the ship Iran-Adger, caught laying mines in the Gulf, Reagan said, acting in self-defense and pursuant to standing peacetime rules of engagement for the region. Two United States helicopters operating off the USS Jarrett engaged the Iranian vessel, which subsequently resumed its mine-laying activities. Thereupon, the helicopters re-engaged the Adger, disabling it with rocket and machine gun fire, and curtailed the further release of mines. The actions taken by U.S. forces were conducted in the exercise of our right of self-defense under Article 51 of the U.N. Charter, he said. Mining of the high seas without notice and in an area of restricted navigation is unlawful and a serious threat to world public order and the safety of international maritime commerce. Now, what do you think Reagan would do now, now that four oil tankers were... uh, sabotaged, blew up by the Iranian regime, and a $180 million drone the size of an airline jet flying in international space over international waters was taken out by an Iranian missile. What do you think he would do? In his public statement, Reagan chided the Soviet Union for apparently softening its support of a U.N. Security Council resolution sought by the United States that would impose an arms embargo on Iran. He said, we hope that the Soviet Union will cooperate rather than delaying and seeking opportunities to expand their own influence at the expense of peace in the region. After the attack on the Iran-Ager, Senate Democrats considered pushing an amendment that would invoke the War Powers Resolution. The Democratic back proposal had gone through at least four drafts by early this afternoon, ranging from mildly critical to cutting off money for military operations under certain circumstances. They never change. But this time, our president not only has the Democrats aligned against him, but numerous Republicans for various reasons and various pretexts as well. So there you have it. And as I say, at the, in the 8 o'clock hour, we have scheduled Senator uh, Tom Cotton, who hasn't, hasn't been on this program forever, has he, Mr. Producer? Can he do 7 o'clock? Sure, he can do 7 o'clock. Matter of fact, it would make more sense, I think. So 7 o'clock? Senator asked if he could do 7 o'clock. We're going to do 7 o'clock. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Every human being has a common problem. How do I live well? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. Hillsdale College President Larry Arne argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. And a new free online course from Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings that will help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. Register for this free course. Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life, featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written at levinforhillsdale.com. In just 10 on-demand videos, each only 30 minutes long, you'll learn how to confront the chief obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. Aristotle presents a guide for securing a virtuous life. And if you take this free course from Hillsdale and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change for the better. You can learn how to lead a good life, just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free at LevinforHillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Well, it turns out that uh, Senator Tom Cotton will be on the program at the top of the next hour. It's about 7:05 p.m. Eastern. Mr. Stelter. Brian Stelter, over there at CNN. I mean, that's two strikes. CNN is a joke and Brian Stelter is a joke. People have emailed me what you said about me and my book, Mr. Stelter. So I clearly am going to have to content on that. And then, Professor Jay Rosen, who's prominently mentioned in Chapter 1, over there at New York University, a journalism professor, Who's been pushing half the crap you see on TV? Then Mr. Rosen pops up on Twitter. And we're going to be addressing Mr. Stelter and Mr. Rosen probably sometime the next hour, the third hour. They're very upset that yours truly has the number one book in the country. They're very upset that you have purchased Unfreedom of the Press. They call this a hate movement. These morons, Professor Moron J. Rosen, I'm on to you, pal. And Brian Stelter, I've been on to you before anybody else. And so we will address them, and you're not going to want to miss it. And in the meantime, Unfreedom of the Press is going strong. Four times number one New York Times bestseller, one full month. It drives the New York Times nuts. It drives the left media nuts, and it drives the left professor nuts. Good. They're all nuts anyway. Then we have the New York Times. A.G. Sulzberger writing a piece in the Wall Street Journal trashing the president of the United States. I'll deal with that too. Oh, we'll we'll deal with it all. We got plenty of time. And I know how to schedule this too. Then we have this, this incredible trial going on with this Navy SEAL. Eddie Gallagher you had people testifying that he stabbed this, this ISIS teen oh he's a teen oh I'm sorry in the neck and murdered him except something happened during the course of the trial the medic the medic who's the prosecution witness said actually I killed him what the courtroom went silent stunned disbelief yes I killed him I smothered him after Gallagher stabbed him in the neck the stab in the neck didn't kill him I killed him I asphyxiated him that's like a Perry Mason moment Mr. Producer who killed the ISIS team stabbed him in the neck or smothered him. I know this is going to sound harsh, but it's true. I read things like this. That this Gallagher's on trial, that this medic said, no, it's me, I confess. And I think about World War II, and I think about what happened during World War II. I think about what my grandfather, a hero, my mother's father who fought at Iwo Jima and Guam, what happened on those islands. The greatest generation. We celebrate the greatest generation. The greatest generation fought to win. When the Japanese would take no prisoners on Iwo Jima, in fact, would murder them in the middle of the night after torturing them so their screams could be heard by the other Marines on the beaches, the Marines decided they weren't going to take any prisoners either. This was a fight over life and death. And we won and they lost. This isn't a game. We know what ISIS is. We know what ISIS has done. And I'm probably the only person with a microphone is going to say this because you come under brutal attack I don't care how this ISIS murderer was killed. It doesn't bother me in the least. I don't care. A marker constitutionalist has nothing to do with the Constitution. Nothing whatsoever. I don't care. We dropped two atomic bombs on Japan to end World War II, because Imperial Japan would not surrender. We demanded an unconditional surrender. They wouldn't surrender. We have people today who rewrite history and tell us that was a grave act of inhumanity. No, it wasn't. It ended the war. If the war had gone on, more and more and more Americans would have been slaughtered. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I don't care whether it was Gallagher or the medic I really don't care and consider what ISIS has done throughout the world how many people have suffered been tortured in the most horrendous ways murdered in the most horrendous ways the decapitation of Americans on film I don't care that ISIS fighter's dead and that's good by me America, Mark Levin, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Just quickly, Senator Tom Cotton enlisted in the United States Army in 2005. He rose to the rank of captain. Um, He served in the Iraq campaign, the Afghanistan campaign, Bronze Star, Combat Infantryman Badge, Ranger Tab. It's a pleasure, Senator. How are you, sir?
3: Hey Mark, I'm good. It's good to be back on the show with
0: you. It's great. I thought you you just didn't want to come on anymore.
3: <laughs> Unfortunately, most of your uh, show comes up during uh dinner time and bath time and bedtime for my little boys.
0: Well, I but, understand. Uh, a uh
3: special times.
0: Let me let me ask you about Iran here. Um, I see the politicos trying to uh Uh, sort of uh, minimize your impact i see others are trying to minimize john bolton in other words create caricatures of you guys as you just want war all the time you're a man who's been at war Uh, bolton has a, a great deal of experience including through the reagan administration and so forth why do you think that is
3: Well, Mark, I've not only been in Iraq and Afghanistan, but when I served at the Old Guard, I had to carry the flag-draped remains of our fallen comrades off an airplane at Dover Air Force Base just hours after they had perished on the battlefield. And anyone who's ever done that does not want to have to commit troops to war. Um, And to be clear, I'm not calling for any kind of action like we've seen in Iraq and Afghanistan for the last two decades. But I am calling for retaliatory and punitive strikes against Iran for now escalating to the point they're shooting down an American aircraft. I I fear that if we allow them to continue down this path without consequences sooner or later, it's going to be a manned American aircraft, or it's going to be a U.S. naval vessel, um, and then uh, we'll be dealing with even more severe circumstances.
0: And Senator, isn't it true that our enemies are watching all over the world, China, Russia, North Korea, to see if the United States is just going to turn over and play dead here?
3: That is true, as it is always true, Mark. And I think the Ayatollahs are watching as well. Uh, But I assume that they believe if they can get away with shooting down an American aircraft um, and not even face a limited retaliatory strike against the Revolutionary Guard Corps' navy, then surely they can get away with enriching uranium to the point that they could be even closer to a nuclear weapon. That's another reason why it's important that we take those kinds of retaliatory strikes
4: today.
0: And you've raised Operation Praying Mantis, which I remember and I've talked about. Do you want to summarize what that was all about and why Reagan did that?
4: Yeah, so
3: I I want to make sure that we learn the right lesson of history as well. Let's recall that throughout the Iran-Iraq War in the 1980s, Iran attacked 190 ships. Uh, From 1984 to 1987, Ronald Reagan largely practice forbearance. It wasn't until 1987 when Kuwait asked us to put an American flag on their tankers and escort them out of the Strait of Hormuz, yet Iran continued to mine those waters. A Kuwaiti tanker flying Old Glory hit a mine in late 1987, and in an earlier operation that praying mantis called Operation Nimble Archer, we blew up a couple relatively small oil platforms that were being used for special operations attacks by Iran. And even then, they continued to mine those waters. And in the spring of 1988, we finally uh, had an attack on a U.S. Navy frigate, which did millions of dollars of damage and wounded several sailors. And then finally, with Operation Praying Mantis, Ronald Reagan blew up a large part of the Iranian Navy as well as much larger oil platforms. So the lesson I take away from that, I think that we should all take, is that forbearance, restraint, and deterrence largely failed against the Ayatollahs in the 1980s. It wasn't until President Reagan directed serious retaliatory strikes, that the Ayatollahs got the picture and stopped those outrages against the civilized world. I fear that if we don't do that now, we will see that continuing uh, escalation of aggression by the Ayatollahs
0: against Americans. What do you make of people like Joe Biden, he's not alone, who's now blaming President Trump because they (laughs) say, well, look, we've, we've increased our military assets in the area, and it's a provocation to Iran. Does Iran need a provocation? No, of
3: course not, Mark. Let's remember that Joe Biden and Barack Obama gave Iran billions of dollars in sanctions and relief and cold, hard cash stacked on pallets flown flown into Iran in the dark of night. And even after that nuclear deal in 2015, they continued and even increased their campaign of terror and regional uh, imperial aggression throughout the Middle East. Uh, Let's also remember what Secretary of Defense Bob Gates, Barack Obama Secretary of Defense Bob Gates, said about Joe Biden. He's been wrong about nearly every major foreign policy and national security division decision for the last 40 years. That's what you get from marinating in the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C. for now 50 years, as Joe Biden has done.
0: You know, Senator, there is my term, not yours. There's also a code pink wing of the Republican Party. And um, whether they claim to be libertarian or whatever it is they claim to be, uh, this is outside the tradition of, say, a Reagan or an Eisenhower or a Nixon or whom, whomever. That is, when there's a provocation, a military provocation and so forth, it's not our fault. And, moreover, you can't just turn a blind eye to it. And and, and yet there is this movement, I don't know if you sense it, that's, that goes on in the Republican Party and even in the United States Senate. Do you see that?
3: I do see it, Mark. Mark. And it's also somewhat uh, misleading as well. So many people uh, who are counseling, turning the other cheek and ignoring this provocation want to compare it to the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And and again, I don't think anyone is considering such an undertaking. Uh, I'm not even proposing something along the lines of what Barack Obama did in 2011 when he unwisely launched a week's long campaign to overthrow the government of Muammar Gaddafi. I am proposing something along the lines of Operation Praying Mantis to impose sufficient cost and pain on the Ayatollahs, so they will stop their campaign of terror on the high seas and the open skies. Now, if we don't do that, we we see what where this is heading. Last month, an attack on foreign vessels in ports. Last week, an attack on foreign vessels on the open seas. Today, an attack on an unmanned aircraft. If we don't put a stop to it, it's going to be a manned US aircraft or a US naval vessel on the one hand, or on the other hand, We can stop it with retaliatory military strikes. It is really our choice.
0: You know, Senator, I see what the Israelis do when the Iranians are pushing the edge of the envelope in Syria. They go out and they take them out. Um, And this also seems to me to be a lesson for us, too. I mean, we're much bigger than the Israelis. We have a much bigger military than the Israelis. We're not looking for trouble. But again, if Iran is looking for trouble we can't roll over and play dead. What do you think about that as an example?
3: Well, I think it's a very good example of the kind of deterrent uh, action that Israel takes on its own borders. And and you're right, as strong and fearsome as the Israeli defense forces are, of course, the American military is so much larger, so much stronger because of the size and wealth of our nation. Any, Any kind of uh, action that Iran could take against our troops, and we would take tenfold against 11, ten hundredfold against it. Um, I'm confident that Ayatollahs will get the picture um, if we draw boundaries around their outlaw behavior.
0: So what do you think, uh, if you had to guess, what do you think we're going to do about this? Nothing or something?
3: Uh, I mean, I don't want to prejudge what the president's, might propose to do. Obviously, he has the most up-to-date information. He is the counsel of our senior military commanders and our intelligence agencies. Um, But I think the time has come and Iran's activities warrant retaliatory military strikes of the exact nature that Ronald Reagan, after four years of patience and forbearance, finally authorized in 1988, and which, by the way, deterred Iran for many years afterwards from conducting these kind of attacks uh, on the
4: high seas.
0: Is your view in the uh, Republican caucus, I guess we call it, in the Senate, in the minority view, majority view, or or you're unsure at this point?
3: Mark, i got to say, after speaking to all my colleagues today on the Senate floor during our votes, I think it's probably the majority view. Um, I, I might not have said that 24 hours ago after the attacks on those Norwegian and Japanese ships last week, but after shooting down an American aircraft this morning, uh, many more Republican senators said it's time to draw a firm boundary around the Ayatollah's outlaw behavior.
0: Mm-hmm. Schumer is saying, uh, essentially, he said today, he said, well, this is all well and good, but before the president acts, he needs approval from Congress. Is that how that works?
3: Uh, no. Look, we had an American aircraft shot down. Uh, the commander-in-chief has the power under the Constitution to defend America's troops and our assets and our interests. Um, Certainly, if Barack Obama had the authority to do what he did in 2011 in Libya, Donald Trump has the same authority to conduct a more limited operation in keeping it along the lines of what Ronald Reagan did to Iran in 1988. Mm -hmm.
0: And it always amazes me. They're so busy investigating the president that then all of a sudden they want to participate. You know, what, what, what are we going to do? Wait three months for Congress to do something? I mean,
3: I mean that's that's exactly right. That's why our founding fathers vested the commander-in-chief power in the president. Now, they gave Congress a lot of other powers to oversee that authority, like the spending power. I know some Democrats would like to uh, pass legislation that would say no money can be spent in a military operation against Iran. I, I'm happy to have that debate and have that vote on the Senate floor. I don't think it will pass. But because of the need for speed and dispatch decision in conducting uh our national security, the commander-in-chief power is vested in the president who can make decisions quickly, as opposed to a 535-person legislature. Again, we have many powers that we can use to constrain or oversee that, but the Demo- what the Democrats are proposing is not in keeping with constitutional practice or history.
0: And, and the appropriation powers you point out, is an enormous power. I mean, it's not the like anybody's taking done. that away.
3: And it's been used in the past to constrain presidents. You know, the so-called Boland Amendment throughout the 1980s prohibited Ronald Reagan from conducting many uh, operations against communist governments in Central America. It is a very potent power. Uh, and when Congress is so moved, as they were in the 1980s or in the late stages of the Vietnam War, they can cut off funding for those kind of military operations. I don't think they would be so moved now because most Americans recognize a blatant provocation against an outlaw regime when they see one, and that's what they saw this morning.
0: Truth is, they don't have the votes, do they, Senator? Of course not. And so that's why they look for other arguments and other ways to try and stop the president. Well, Senator, I want to thank you. I know it's bath time for the kids and dinner time and all. Uh, We we face that as well, and uh, I want to wish you all the best and thank you.
3: Well, thank you, Mark. It's great to be on with you.
0: All right. God bless. That's a man who has not only seen combat and been awarded for it. You know, he went to Harvard Law School. I mean, this is a pretty sharp guy. He really is. So Politico was trying to minimize him, uh, just as the media are trying to minimize John Bolton. These are two of the smartest minds when it comes to national security. But uh, these are the times we live in right now. And I want to play you one audio. Uh. Well, the president of the United States has even asked about this. And he says, no, 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 no. My administration is, uh, nobody's pushing me to go to war. Cut three, Mr. Producer, go.
5: Do you? you believe there are members of your administration who are trying to push you into conflict? No, not at all.
1: Not at all. In fact, in many cases, it's the opposite. But I will say, look, I said, I want to get out of these endless wars. I campaigned on that. I want to get out. We've been in Afghanistan for 19 years. As you know, we've reduced very substantially in Afghanistan. Uh, We and beat the caliphate. We took back 100% of the caliphate. When it was 99%, Justin, I said, we're going to get out. We're going to start peeling back. And everybody went crazy because it was 99 So I said, all right, so we'll finish it up. So we got 100%. And we're pulling that back out of Syria. We're pulling a lot of people back. Uh, but this is something, this is a new wrinkle. This is a new fly in the ointment, what happened shooting down the drone. And uh, this country will not stand for it. That I can tell you.
0: All right. We'll be right back. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the Nutrition Facts panel on the side. Right, we move along, just because time is not our friend on this program. It's a very strange thing, ladies and gentlemen, when you have a professor and a so-called journalist who lie about your book and lie about you. This week's bestseller list, writes Brian Stelter. Jim Acosta's The Enemy of the People debuts at number 10 on this week's New York Times hardcover plus ebook nonfiction bestseller list. Meanwhile, Mark Levin's book promoting Trump's hate movement against the media, Unfreedom of the Press, holds steady at number one on the list. Am I leading a hate movement, Mr. Producer? And so this tweet is retweeted. Jay Rosen who is a professor of journalism at NYU he tweets I'm glad to see <clears throat> excuse me I'm glad to see it called a hate movement because that's what it is and I am a hate object myself in that book this is from Brian Stelter's newsletter now here in part is what I said about Professor Rosen who now I've made famous for his infamous ideology for example, I write, starting on page 28, stick with me, folks, please, New York University Professor Jay Rosen is a leading voice in the idea of so-called public or civic journalism. That is the purpose-driven, community-based, social activism journalism movement spreading throughout America's newsrooms for the last several decades. See, Mr. Rosen, I've exposed you. This has nothing to do with hate. That's to do with integrity and honesty. A harsh critic of then-candidate Donald Trump rose and wrote in the Washington Post the following. Imagine a candidate who wants to increase public confusion about where he stands on things so that voters give up on trying to stay informed and instead vote with raw emotion. Under those conditions, does asking, where do you stand, sir, serve the goals of journalism? Or does it enlist the interviewer in the candidate's chaotic plan? I know what you're thinking, journalists. Journalists. What do you want us to do? Stop covering a major party candidate for president? That would be irresponsible. True. But this reaction short circuits intelligent debate. Beneath every common practice in election coverage, there are premises about how candidates will behave. I want you to ask, do these still apply? Trump isn't behaving like a normal candidate. He's acting like an unbound one. In response, journalists have to become less predictable themselves. They have to come up with novel responses. They have to do things they've never done. And they may even have to shock us. He goes on. They may need to collaborate across news brands in ways they've never known. They may have to call Trump out with a forcefulness unseen before. They may have to risk the breakdown of decorum in interviews and endure excruciating awkwardness. Hardest of all. They'll have to explain to the public that Trump is a special case and normal rules do not apply. This is Mr. Rosen who says I am promoting a hate movement, which is a repetition of what Brian Stelter says. That my book is promoting a hate movement. No, no, Mr. Rosen, Mr. Stelter, you're being exposed You're being undressed by this book. You've been hiding in the shadows. The American people, Mr. Rosen, didn't even know who you are. Or is it Dr. Rosen? Now they do. And Mr. Rosen, you're free to come on this program. I give out the public number all the time. So is Brian Stelter, but he's a coward. Instead, he hides uh, behind Jeff Motherzucker over there at CNN. This is not a hate movement. This is a liberty movement. A true freedom of the press movement. You are an unfreedom of the press mouthpiece. You can get your copy, ladies and gentlemen. It's driving the nuts. Unfreedom of the press. Go to Amazon.com. I can assure you, they haven't read it. No! Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating, and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real, USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder.
1: with passion. The Mark Levin Show. call in now.
2: 8773813811
0: Have you noticed how the 2020 presidential Democratic candidates are falling all over each other to prove who can best bring about a leftist utopia? Free college, free childcare, free health care, whatever you want. It's all free, except you know, it's not free. You and I are going to pay through the nose. And not just with your money, but with your health. Socialized medicine means rationed care, treatment denials, waiting lines, denied access to the latest and best treatments. Is that what you want? Because that's what they're going to do. Fortunately, conservative and free market organizations like the American Conservative Union and Consumer Action for a Strong Economy have joined forces to form the Coalition Against Socialized Medicine. They're dedicated to stopping dumb ideas like binding arbitration, which is the precursor to complete drug control prices by bureaucrats, and it would wipe out the investments needed by the next breakthrough cures and treatments for 60% of Americans who suffer from a chronic illness. Now, that doesn't sound like utopia to me. It sounds like hell, as a matter of fact. To find out more about the Coalition Against Socialized Medicine, go to nosocializedmedicine.org and join the fight. Again, that's no nosocializedmedicine.org. All right. Let's keep going at it. Wall Street Journal. Last night. Accusing the New York Times of treason, Trump crosses a line. So says the Sulzberger, A.G. Sulzberger. Subtitle, the founders considered it the gravest of crimes. Tossing the charge around is irresponsible and wrong. So he writes, A.G. Sulzberger, who inherited the paper from his father, inherited it from his father, and on down the line. First it was the failing New York Times, then fake news, then enemy of the people. President Trump's escalating attacks on the New York Times have paralleled his broader barrage on American media. He's gone from misrepresenting our business, to assaulting our integrity, to demonizing our journalists with a phrase that's been used by generations of demagogues. Now the president has escalated his attacks even further, accusing the Times of a crime so grave it's punishable by death. Treason. By the way, he said virtual treason. On Saturday, Mr. Trump said the Times had committed a virtual act of treason, quote-unquote. The charge levied on Twitter was in response to an article about American cyber incursions into the Russian electrical grid, that his own aides had assured our reporters raised no national security concerns. Few paid much attention. Many news organizations, including the Times, determined the accusation wasn't even worth reporting, a sign of how inured we've grown to such rhetorical recklessness. But this new attack crosses a dangerous line in the president's campaign, against a free and independent press. Treason is the only crime explicitly defined in the U.S. Constitution. So now they've redefined what he said, a virtual act of treason. Stick with me, I'm not done analyzing this. The Founding Fathers knew the words history is a weapon wielded by tyrants to justify the persecution and execution of enemies. They made its definition immutable. Article 3 reads, treason against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them, or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort, unquote, to ensure that it couldn't be abused by politicians for self-serving attacks on rivals or critics. The crime is also almost never prosecuted, but Mr. Trump has used the word dozens of times. There's no more serious charge a commander-in-chief can make against an independent news organization. Which presents a troubling question. What would it look like for Mr. Trump to escalate his attacks on the press further? Having already reached for the most incendiary language available, what is left but putting his threats into action? There's evidence that's already happening. The administration has waged an aggressive legal campaign against journalists. Leak investigations, which were already on the rise under President Obama, have surged. Government regulatory powers have been misused to retaliate against news organizations, such as the attempt to block AT&T from acquiring CNN's parent company, Time Warner. These are such lies. Anyway, let's go on. Most recently, the precedent-shattering use of the Espionage Act against Julian Assange... For publishing classified information. That's not why he's charged or they want to charge him. They want to charge him because he helped steal the information and was advising on how to steal the information. So they can't even report that properly. Meanwhile, the president's rhetorical attacks continue to foster a climate in which trust in journalists is eroding and violence against them is growing. More than a quarter of Americans, a plurality of Republicans, now agree that the news media is the enemy of the people and the president should have the authority to close news outlets engaged in bad behavior. A worldwide surge of attacks has made this the most dangerous year for journalists on record. What does that have to do with Trump? This is particularly true in parts of the world where pursuing the truth already carries great risks as news reporters and editors experience rising levels of censorship, harassment, imprisonment, and murder. Not in the United States. I believe the president is president of the United States, isn't he, Mr. Producer? I met with the president in the Oval Office earlier this year and told him directly that authoritarian leaders around the world with growing impunity are employing his words to undermine free expression. The president expressed concern, insisted he wanted to be viewed as a defender of the free press. But in the same conversation he took credit for the term fake news, a phrase that has now been wielded by dozens of leaders across five continents to justify everything, from the passage of anti-free speech laws in Egypt to the takeover of independent news organizations in Hungary to a crackdown on investigations into genocide in uh, Burma. Is this a joke? Now, Burma, My- Myanmar they call it now, Egypt and Hungary. Egypt And Burma didn't need Donald Trump to say anything, and neither did Hungary, for that matter. So they're blaming Trump. America's founders believed that a free press was essential to democracy, and the American experience has proved them right. Journalism guards freedoms, binds together communities, ferrets out corruption and injustice, and ensures the flow of information that powers everything from elections to the economy. Freedom of the press has been fiercely defended by nearly all American presidents, regardless of politics or party affiliation, and regardless of their own complaints about coverage. Notice, notice the sleazy transition. Is the President of the United States attacking a free press? Or did he call out the New York Times, Mr. Producer? He called out the New York Times. He's not attacking freedom of the press. He's not attacking the First Amendment. He's calling out the conduct of the New York Times. The entire purpose of Unfreedom of the Press, my book, is to unravel exactly this kind of propaganda. Whatever activities are taking place in countries like Egypt or whatever have nothing to do with this president or anything that he has said. Moreover, Mr. Sulzberger, you're in the last chapter of my book, and you're a liar. There have been presidents who've shut down newspapers and who have imprisoned journalists. Maybe you've heard of them. John Adams, Abraham Lincolns, Woodrow Wilson, among others. This president has done none of that. Why don't you admit that in your long op-ed in the Wall Street Journal? There are moments when the press and the government are legitimately at odds, never more so than when the press's conviction about the public's right to know collides with the government's assessment of the importance of maintaining secrecy. Now, this is really precious, coming from the New York Times that covered up the Holocaust. You want to know why I, apart from the president and public enemy of these media outlets, this is why. Because they lie. They lie. And I'm the truth detector. Journalists take seriously the concern that their reporting may jeopardize national security. At the Times, we have withheld details or delayed publication when government officials convinced us there was a danger of loss of life or damage to intelligence operations. The story that prompted the president's attack was no exception. the Times prepared the story for publication Our reporter contacted officials at the White House National Security Council the National Security Agency the U.S. Cyber Command and gave them the opportunity to raise any national security concerns about the story they told us they did not have any shortly after publication the President accused the Times of treason but maybe the President did regardless of what the bureaucrats or his staff thought, obviously the President did Over 167 years, through 33 presidential administrations, the time has sought to serve America and its citizens by seeking the truth and helping people understand the world. There's nothing we take more seriously than doing this work fairly and accurately, even when we are under attack. Mr. Trump's campaign against journalists should concern every patriotic American. A free, fair, and independent press is essential to our country's strength and vitality and to every freedom that makes it great. Now... You and I support a vital and free press. They say here they take nothing more seriously than doing this work fairly and accurately even when we are under attack. They're liars. That's not what they do. And to attack the dishonesty and deceit of the New York Times is not to attack freedom of the press but to defend it. You and I do not support government interference with the media. But we demand a media that tells us the truth. And I have an entire chapter on this newspaper, on Chapter 6, Betraying Millions. The New York Times Betraying Millions. I believe it is this reason why they do not review my book. And I could care less, by the way. In the book review section of the New York Times, just be another hit job. And so this isn't a hate movement that I'm trying to lead here, am trying to promote, I should say. It's a truth movement. It's a freedom movement. It is a free press and free speech movement that has been hijacked by the left. Mr. Sulzberger, you're welcome to come on this program also and to defend your newspaper. It's coverage now and it's coverage before. How your newspaper could cover up the Holocaust and then After my interview with Brett Baer and they aired it, they contacted the New York Times and they said, well, they admit that their coverage of the Holocaust was inadequate. Inadequate? What a word, inadequate. Inadequate? That's like baking cookies and not having enough sugar in the cookies. That's inadequate. Standing silently... And in fact, covering up the slaughter of millions of Jews, that's more than inadequate, Mr. Sulzberger. So tell me, for the millions of people who were slaughtered during the Holocaust, and the fact that you pushed it to your back pages on the rare occasions that you even wrote about it, your grandfather, tell me, were you the enemy of those people? I think you were. Those voices crying out from the gas chambers, those voices crying out before they were mowed down and pushed into mass graves, those voices crying out before they were pushed into ovens, you can only imagine what was going through the minds of those human beings. The horror, starvation, execution, experimentation. And you at the New York Times, you reported on almost none of it. If those people could talk today, would they say that you are the enemy of the people? I think they would. Why don't you pay attention to what you're doing, Mr. Sulzberger? You're very defensive. Why don't you clean up your act and the act of the New York Times and the rest of the media? There needs to be a reformation. There needs to be a reformation. Trump is not your enemy. We are not your enemy. You're your own enemy and you write these words in this Wall Street Journal op-ed these words which ring hollow as you skirt around looking for defenses maybe you haven't committed treason but you haven't committed journalism either Mr. Producer I want us to send a copy of Unfreedom of the Press directly to Mr. Sulzberger I know his book review people have it that's clear But maybe Mr. Sulzberger should read it too. And I hope you all do as well. Because then when you read something like this, you'll know what to think and you'll know how to respond. I'll be right back. Mark
6: Lovin.
0: 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's L E V I N dot com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. Virtual treason. Has our president been called treasonous? on various news outlets and news platforms? We're going to revisit that after the top of the hour and Hour 3. Since so Mr. Solzberg has a problem with this word, As fact, has he been called treasonous in the pages of the New York Times? What do you think, ladies and gentlemen? You're not going to want to miss the next hour because I'll explain it. You know, a few things in life... Can change your entire outlook on the day. call from your boss asking you to work the weekend, early construction right outside your bedroom window in the morning you wanted to sleep in. Now these will ruin your day. Or how about when you check engine light? your check engine light comes on? That usually means thousands of dollars in repairs. That's why I have car shield. We have car shield on our 2010 Camaro because car shield makes the process of fixing a car for a covered repair super easy. You're going to have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work. It's your choice. If your car is 5,000 to 150,000 miles, it doesn't mean you have to pay high repair bills. Car Shield, their administrators have paid out close to $2 billion in claims and they're ready to help you. Don't let your check engine light change your life. Get covered by the ultimate in extended vehicle protection like we did. Call 800CAR6000. Mention code Levin eight hundred car six thousand. Mention code Levin, or visit carshield.com. Use code Levin to save ten percent. That's L-E-V-I-N. That's carshield.com. Code Levin, or call eight hundred car six thousand and mention code Levin. A deductible may apply. Remember, I'll be on Hannity nine thirty p.m. Eastern time, six thirty p.m. Pacific. Uh, and for the next several weeks, I will not be back on Hannity or on Fox, not because of them, because I won't be here uh, for a period of time. And I will explain that to you more next week. And I want to encourage you as strongly as possible to jump in and join the love movement, not the hate movement. Get your copy of Unfreedom of the Press because it's driving the press nuts. I mean, nuttier. Nuttier. And so over at the New York Sun, they take a look at this Wall Street Journal editorial by Sulzberger at the New York Times, and they say, "Okay." They write, congratulations are in order for the publisher of the New York Times, A.G. Sulzberger, who's finally landed an op-ed piece in the Wall Street Journal. He's moving up and with an important piece about how irresponsible it is for President Trump to issue a tweet accusing the Times of committing in the course of exposing our cyber attacks on Russia's electrical grid, quote, virtual treason, unquote. Our own view is that given the temper of the times, and for that matter, the times, Mr. Salzberg has missed part of the story. The president seems to have chosen his words carefully. When he tweets about virtual treason, he seems to be using the word virtual in the sense that it is defined in Webster's classic second international unabridged, being in essence or effect, not in fact. After all, if Mr. Trump reckoned the Times had committed actual treason, he would have already sicked the FBI and the Grey Lady. Instead, all the president did was hyperventilate on Twitter, which is no worse than what, say, the Times' own headline writers did when they put over a Charles Blow column, the headline Trump Treasonous Traitor. Hello? The headline Trump Treasonous Traitor in the New York Times. Oh, we're going to elaborate on this when we return. I'll be right back.
1: He's here.
2: He's here. Now broadcasting from from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with
0: our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number 877-3... What the hell is it again? 877-381-381. Isn't that amazing? I got a mental block on that? 877-381-381. 3811 part of the reason is I'm doing further research. I never stopped doing research. Have you known that, Mr. Uh, producer? It's my hobby. It's my life. I can't help it. On October 23, 1983 243 US service personnel including 220 Marines and 21 other service personnel, were killed by a truck bomb at a Marine compound in Beirut, Lebanon. The bombing was eventually linked back to Hezbollah, a terrorist group that was established a year earlier in 1982 by Iran. An Iranian involvement was also suspected by the U.S. government then. I just heard somebody on TV say that I'm not aware of any terrorist activity that Iran has ever committed against the United States really really 241 US service personnel murdered by Hezbollah really Iran via Hezbollah and hundreds more have been murdered since Hezbollah is involved in terrorist activities. They've been involved in drug activities in our hemisphere. But who cares? That's not even the point. The point is what's taking place now. That is, what I'm saying is, when people say, well, that's then and that's that, okay, but that's not even my point. My point is Iran has consistently been killing Americans. Marines, other service personnel citizens among others and their intentions cannot be ignored and so what happens is for the small minded and the surface oriented you attack anybody who thinks about these things and studies these things and knows some context in history about what Iran is up to and this is very very important Very important to dismiss everybody as warmongers is really not to have a very advanced intelligence, to be perfectly honest with you. Senator Mazie Hirono, she and the Code Pink Republicans are very similar on this issue. She says all this stuff that's going on now with Iran is as a result of the president pulling out of the Iran deal. Really? I see. So Iran was behaving and would behave. <coughs> but for the fact that we pulled out of the Iran deal. And these are the kinds of knuckleheads who serve us in Congress. Here she was on CNN today. Cut six. Go.
5: We know that the president doesn't want to go to war with Iran. He has said so. Uh, we need to have Iran come to the negotiation table. From the, the Iranians' viewpoint, I think there is a, a mistrust of the United States because we summarily, the president summarily uh, pulled out uh, the, the uh, JCPOA, the Iranian nuclear deal. And so I think their perspective is uh, how are we supposed to believe that the United States is going to keep its word?
0: Well, keep its word about what? Keep its word about what? What is she talking about? How's the United States? Why is it that the, that the immediate knee jerk position of the left and these code pink Republicans is anti American? Or that America is the provocateur? And then they wave around the American flag like they're patriots. It's a lie. Tell me, did Yemen provoke Iran? Did Iraq provoke Iran these days? How about the innocent people who are being slaughtered by Iran and Syria and the Russians in Syria? Who's provoking Iran? Everybody's out to provoke Iran? Why don't we listen to what these throwbacks have to say? Why don't we watch what they're doing? So now they're attacking oil freighters. They're attacking our drone. They have also captured Americans, you'll recall, on the open seas during the Obama administration. And they're doing much to advance their ICBMs and their nuclear warheads. So when people say it's the Washington war machine, maybe there's some of those out there. But why are they blind to what the Iranians are doing? And why don't they understand that they're the ones who are provoking and they're the ones who need to be in a box, not us. Not us. And they don't trust us, you see, ladies and gentlemen. This is a regime that has caused horrific death in Yemen, in Syria, with the Kurds, among others. A horrific regime. This is a regime that has always had as its purpose to damage the United States. And yet the typical responses, the knee jerk responses from the left and the code pink Republicans, incredible and they want to keep thinking you think this is weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. This has nothing to do with that. It's nothing to do with the Mexican American War. Uh, it has nothing to, uh, the Spanish American War it has nothing to do with any of that. And yet we get this kind of uh, slapdash thinking, if you will. And it's constant now. I'm I'm watching it on television. It's, It's constant. President, he's trying to make a rational decision. Now let's listen to what Lindsey Graham had to say on Capitol Hill today. Cut five. Five, Mr. Producer. Go ahead.
6: I'll let you ask him. I am saying if he does not change the course we're on, then others will act. You used he some strong to... language. You talked to the president this morning. You'll talk to him later. Yeah. Um, do you believe that, he believe that he believes what you said, that we're one step closer potentially to war today than I yesterday? think anybody would believe that we're one step closer. They shot down an American asset well within international waters trying to assess the situation. Um, What are you supposed to do? Ronald Reagan took a lot, then he acted. This president's taken a lot from Iran. He was right to get out of a bad deal. He's right to put sanctions on their disruptive behavior throughout the world. He'd like a better deal. To me, it's clear that the Iranians are trying to break us between our allies. They're trying to create chaos to up oil prices. And you can't legitimize this way of negotiating. If we do it with Iran, then the next thing that will happen is that North Korea will explode apart bomb, shoot off a missile, thinking that's the best way to get America back at the table.
0: He's on to something in that latter point there, in my view. Except I have a different take on that latter point. Not to get us to the negotiation table. These genocidal dictators are watching what we do. Let me ask you a question. If Iran shot down a Chinese drone what do you think China would do Mr. Do you think they would just roll over if Iran shot down a Russian drone you think Putin would just roll over no of course not so they're looking at what we're going to do in response and there are measured responses you can take if the Iranians up their activity as a result of the measured response and you hit them again. And that's why we have military assets there. I'll tell you, if, we, if, if, if we're not going to do anything, why do we have military assets there? We have men and women in uniform in a very dangerous part of the world. And we just increased their numbers. We increased our assets. Well, why did we do that? The fact is, this regime does need to go. And the fact is, that's the reason the president is putting these... Uh, these brutal sanctions in place because the military has a a stranglehold on the population of Iran a stranglehold on the population of Iran there's a reason why the Arab Gulf states are more united than ever before and they're united in this respect with Israel why do you think that is? well that's their problem, it's not our problem yeah, I've heard this all the time. Then we had World War One. Then we had World War Two. Then we had one thing after another. Well, we're 7,000 miles away. Why do you think they're building ICBMs and they want to put nuclear tips on these ICBMs? Because we're 7,000 miles away. That's the point. Now, when I posted on Facebook and Twitter... What I felt, in my humble opinion, the president should at least consider and learn from history. Take a take a page out of Reagan's book and what he did with the Iranians. You should see the comments, other than the patriots on there, from leftists on Twitter, from code pink Republicans. Did you know I'm Jewish, ladies and gentlemen? Well, they keep pointing that out. Did you know I'm a dual citizen with the state of Israel? Which, of course, I'm not. Bald, fat slob, a chicken hawk. Oh, it gets worse. It gets worse. That's the reaction. Or these generalizations, the war machine in Washington, the uh, the hawks, the chicken hawks, and uh, and the neocons and so forth. The neocons hate my guts. What are you talking about? They hate my guts. Nobody supports the military as a civilian, as a broadcaster, more than I do, I can tell you that. I don't want them in harm's way, but they're in harm's way. And they need to have the ability to punish people who are trying to hurt us or are likely to hurt us. And I'll bet if you survey the military in that region that my views are closer to their views than, say, the, uh, cold, pink, the uh, cold pink Republicans and the, uh, and the hate America leftists. I really believe that. We'll be right back.
5: Mark Ben.
0: Well, let's see here. Mr. Call Screener, I need my call screen. you have any suggestions on who I might talk to? The great WABC Ed in New Jersey. Ed, is this you in New Jersey? Seriously.
4: Oh, it, oh, it is. Thank you so much for taking my call. I, yes, I sir. I wanted to talk to you. You are my idol. Oh, well, uh, thank you. Mark, I bought your book three weeks ago from Amazon. It, it got to me in 24 hours. you got to love that, right? I do. <laughs> and uh, what a book. I mean, I've I've, I've already read it like three times. I can't stop reading it. Thank you. It's just uh, no, really, no, seriously, it is, it is beyond.
0: It's. It's, I'll tell you what. People who are reading it are telling me, and when I finished the book and I handed it to my wife, I said, "You know, take one more look at this." I said, "I think, uh, I think we, I've hit a grand slam with this." But anyway, go right ahead.
4: You absolutely did. Well, Mark, I just want to tell you, I, I spent, I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not in the Navy, but I was in the Merchant Marines. I spent a little time in the yeah. Straits of Hormuz uh, on, on my way to Bahrain. I was an engineer on a tanker, and um, uh, back then, uh, it was the Iran-Iraq war going on, and I can remember uh, vividly, the captain called down, told the deckhands they have to paint an American flag on the deck of the ship so that, you know, all these. Fighter pilot, you know, jets going, you know, flying by, you know, that didn't bomb, so they didn't bomb us because the war was between Iran and Iraq at that time. It was, had nothing to do with us. But uh, what's going on now? Oh, we, Donald needs to take. He needs to take a stand. In my mind, I'm just saying. In my
0: mind, he needs
4: to right. take a stand. Okay? I agree. Yeah, absolutely. I mean,
0: it's, it's, so it's a much- little confusing right now, isn't it? Well, not to me. I mean, there's no question the Iranians. No, no, no. I mean, what the message that's coming is a little confusing.
4: Well, we I have we
0: have one statement, two statements. I'm not jumping all over the uh, White House over this, but they're contradictory statements. So I'm not sure where they're coming from right now.
4: Yeah, I'm I'm not sure either. But I think Iran needs to uh, be accountable. There's so no oh,
0: I agree, 100. Moms on
4: the ship. There's no question they took the drone down. There's no question they're taunting us. They're taunting us. That's, and, and, you know, it's not going to turn into, you know, the media. You know the media. You know, it's going to be a big war. It's not going to be a big war. We could take out a couple of their, you know, refineries, this and that, you know, and get all done. You know, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll, they'll walk away. Anyway, Mark, I just wanted to, I'm so thankful you took my car. Uh, you are amazing.
0: Well,
2: and
4: you're very kind.
0: Thank you. thank you. Ed, of Newark, New Jersey. Corey Bookerland, WABC. I appreciate it. Let's see. Uh, let us go to Don, Tampa, Florida, Sirius Satellite. How are you? Hello. 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 Go right ahead, Don.
2: Good evening. Uh, Good evening. I ha- it's a pleasure to be able to listen to the show live for a change and to get to speak to you as a Thank bonus. You. I guess Thank you. I ans- got anecdotal evidence for you about how uh, this is affecting the Iranians and why they're acting out. Yes. Uh, I was a medic firefighter that wound up in offshore oil and gas. I worked primarily in drilling,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and last month, I was on a Chinese drilling rig and in during some informal conversations with their management, they expressed their unhappiness about the sanctions. They had several rigs working in Iranian waters. They had to pull them out and send them back to China with no contract so that illustrates two things mark one. Our relationship with China is much more important to the Chinese than their ability to make money off the Iranians. But two, and more importantly, they can't get their oil out of the ground. They can't get vendors. Well, for, they can't.
0: First of all, tell me if I'm right. The Chinese get a lot of oil out of that Strait as well. So if that Strait becomes a problem, they're going to suffer somewhat.
2: Well, if they get it out of the ground, yeah, they will suffer. If they get it out of the ground, they'll sell it on the black market. We know that. Mm-hmm. But if they can't get spare parts, if they can't get vendors to come in and drill their wells or service their equipment, they can't get it out. And that's how we keep them from selling their oil. And we need to keep applying the maximum pressure with these sanctions, Mark. And All right. I tell you, most people don't realize that this windfall that the shell boom has been is tremendous for the American people and the economy, mm-hmm. but it's cause dire pain for so many people in the offshore industry and affects so many families.
0: Well, what are you suggesting? Our tre- what should we do?
2: Well, We should keep applying maximum pressure. The people I work with are tremendous patriots. They care very much about this country. And they mm-hmm. support this president and what he's doing, because we know that it's good for the U.S. economy, but we also know that if we can use it as leverage against Putin and the Iranians that we need to do that and we're and even
0: though I, I think that's price, what the president's doing. All right, appreciate your call, Don. Very good call. I shall return.
1: American Revolution starts
0: here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at 877-381-3811. Folks, don't forget, 930 tonight, Eastern Time, I'm on Hannity. You know, we're just a few months away from the Reedu Research Center, uh, their uh, 2019 Mediterranean cruise. So if you haven't signed up, you should do it right away where the best cabins are sold out. You can go to mrccruise.com for all the details or call 888-MRC-TRIP. The 11-day trip starts and ends in Rome, stops in some of the most beautiful and interesting places in the eastern Mediterranean, including the sites of three of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And it all takes place on one of Holland America's newest ships. You can read all about the ship and the itinerary at mrcruise.com, But the best part is getting to meet and spend time with some icons of the conservative movement, including my buddy Brent Bozell, the Honorable James Buckley, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, Cal Thomas, Jason Chavitz, Joe Piscopo, Terry Jeffrey from CNS News, and many others. You get plenty of access to the speakers during dinner, receptions, and Q&A sessions. You'll get to meet over 100 patriots who love our country as much as you do, and you're going to make lifelong friends. But to me, the main reason to do this is to give yourself a gift. You deserve it. Take some time off before the next big battle, the next campaign. Relax with your loved one. Enjoy with your loved one. The food, also tremendous. Just go to mrccruise.com or call 888-MRC-TRIP for all the details. They sold out last year, so if you think you want to go, honestly, don't put it off. Because one day I'm going to tell you they're sold out. It's com or call 888-MRC-TRIP. Okay, here we go. Let's see. Uh, Eric. Grand Junction, Colorado, the great K-N-Z-Z. Go right ahead, please.
7: Yes, sir. Mr. Levin, I would first of all like to thank you for all your teachings and the education I get from you.
0: Thank you, sir.
7: You bet. Hey, I just wanted to uh, say that uh, Senator Cotton kind of took a lot of what I was going to say. He's an incredibly smart man, but uh, Mm -hmm. I was there. I was uh, serving on the uh, USS Enterprise, working for the second in of the uh, battle group, uh, Captain Dyke. Of, uh,
0: so you Mandarin. were on the USS Enterprise when it enge- when uh, when the Iranians were engaged during Operation Praying Mantis.
7: Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. I was. We were there, uh, battle group, uh, Enterprise battle group. We were there for four months in the uh, uh, Gulf of Oman, patrolling when Iran was. Um, hitting the uh, tankers yeah. and um,
0: and apparently and apparently the jets flew off your uh, off the carrier and uh, provided cover.
7: Uh, yeah, we were on our way to Africa when the uh, USS Gompers got hit by the mine, and we got immediately turned around and headed straight back to the Gulf of Oman. And one of the biggest things being a, a young Navy sailor and working with this incredible crew was. I was most impressed with the fact and it took me many years to figure it out but I was mostly impressed with the fact that I was serving under President Reagan that the response was so quick that we protected our sailors and we retaliated in a way that I hope President Trump does that it was a strategic
0: They hit so fast, and initial hit, then hit so hard, you all did, that the Iranians didn't really know how to respond at that point. In fact, by the time about half their navy was knocked out, they couldn't respond.
7: Well, actually, in the morning, it was the uh, the oil derricks and everything got hit, and in the afternoon, uh, we got weapons red and free from the admiral of the battle group, in the afternoon, and the Air Wing just decimated the uh, mm-hmm. whatever Navy you could say that Iran had. Mm-hmm. I've got pictures of the destruction. That's it's fantastic.
0: So, sir, let me ask you this: You served on the USS Enterprise. You were there when this took place. What do you make of people in Washington D.C.? On TV, on radio, some politicians and other uh, pundits who say, "Well, if the president reacts. He's a warmonger. Uh, we need to get over these wars. Um, uh, the United States is is the provocateur here." Uh, what, what do you say to these people?
7: Uh, what I say is they need to go serve because I'm 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 tired of the politicians. We actually, surprisingly, being the young guy I was at the time. There was a couple officers that were trying to put the brakes on. I I worked for the upper echelon of the battle group. I worked for directly the second command of the battle group. And I was able to hear and see a lot of the political officers try to say, well, wait a minute. But at the same time, they get orders from the president saying this is what we're going to do. And I and at that time, I I was confused because I was young trying to figure out, well, the, these are our orders. This is what we signed up for.
0: What, what do you make of these attacks on John Bolton from some senior White House officials in these meetings? Uh, whose name doesn't appear in the leaks on Twitter and otherwise, so it's got to be one or two or three people there leaking against Bolton, who are trying to create a scenario where it's really John Bolton who wants to go to war. Doesn't this undermine the president and the commander-in-chief?
7: It undermines America. That's Mm -hmm. the problem. You know, I really believe that more than 60% of this country is conservative, American-loving, peace-loving country,
0: mm-hmm.
7: leave us alone, let us be Americans, and let us defend our country. And that includes our foreign interests.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, Well, listen, I, 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 to f- I, I, I want to thank you for your service on the USS Enterprise during Operation Praying Mantis, which was uh, hugely successful. And God, blo- oh, By the way, don't hang up. I'm going to send you a signed copy of Unfreedom of the Press. Don't hang up. I appreciate it. Excellent. Let's go to Cindy, San Francisco. This guy, Jake from Detroit, calls every day disagreeing with everything I say. Why don't, why, uh, just blow him off. I mean, he's, he's just sits there by his phone. (laughs) I'm dialing, I'm dialing. (laughs) He's a putz. Cindy, San Francisco, California. The great KSFO. How are you?
5: I'm fine. Thanks for taking my call, Mark. You got The it. idea that this professor can call you a hater—
0: Oh, Jeffrey Rosen. Book, uh, and, uh, Jay Rosen, rather. Yes. Uh,
5: there you are. There you are. That your book is somehow some sort of uh, thing, uh, thing to, to promote hate and that you are a hater, it is the exact opposite. There's
0: nothing in my book promoting hate whatsoever.
5: Your book is fabulous. I saw you on Hannity when you laid it out point by point. They will never come on your show. They will never talk to you because you could take them down intellectually with dignity, the way that you always do with guests. And all they can do is resort to this character assassination. As you say, it's such an easy, easy Thing to do. There's no intelligence. There's, there's no way they can refute what you're saying. And thank God you have the courage to do this. You have a thick skin. And thank God President Trump has the courage to keep his convictions and has a thick skin.
0: Well, thank and you.
5: I, 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 just, I thank you so much for your book.
0: Let me just tell you something, Cindy. There is no way Brian Stelter has read my book. Quite
5: no enough.
0: way whatsoever. Uh, and this professor... J. Rosen, he is accurately portrayed in chapter one. If there's a hate movement, it's them. There's nothing in my book that even uh that that, that that even comes close to promoting hate. What it promotes is liberty, a free press, and it exposes these frauds. It exposes what they're doing. It exposes what Jay Rosen is doing in his classroom. Uh the the ideology that he's pushing, the the uh in my view, my personal opinion, is the way that he uh he is destroying the notion, the profession of uh, journalism, and he's not alone. There are many of them. Uh, Brian Stelter is a practitioner of, uh, of, of pseudo-journalism and propaganda. He is a Democrat Party uh, press operative, and that's all he is. And then let me just say this, Cindy. I want to thank you. There are hosts, radio and TV, who have read this book, who are using information from this book, and I don't have time to listen to them, but I, obviously I get emails up the wazoo. And they're saying that, oh, I've always said this about the press, I've always said. Rather than pretend, why don't you just honestly tell the public where you got this information from? I mean, my God, seriously. Some dignity, some level of integrity. I mean, I wrote the book. I'm the one who worked weekends. I'm the one who worked nights when, when so many of these guys are out playing around and doing whatever it is that they do, and I don't. And, again, I'm, I'm not doing this to pat myself on the back. There just needs to be some honesty and integrity in broadcasting as well as journalism. Cindy, I want to thank you for your call. I'm going to send, even though you have one, I'm going to send you a signed copy as well, and you can give your book to somebody else and spread the word. I greatly appreciate it. We'll be right back. Mark In. Have you ever asked yourself, well, how can I live a virtuous life? Our happiness and well-being depend on how we answer that very question. Hillsdale College president, the great Larry Arne, and he is all that, argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics, where Aristotle presents a guide for securing such a virtuous life. In just 10 on-demand videos, each only 30 minutes long, You'll learn how to confront the primary obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. Now, this new free online course from Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings with you, and it can help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. Register for this free course, Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life, featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written, and you can watch it anytime you want at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. If you take this free course from Hillsdale and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change for the better. You can learn how to lead a good life just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Robert Cheshire, Connecticut on the Mark Levin app. How are you, sir?
8: Mark, I'm very well, and may God bless you for everything you do for this country. It's absolutely fabulous, and thank you.
0: Well, thank you. That's very kind of you.
8: Uh, I served uh, under Mr. Reagan in the 80s when we reflagged the Kuwaiti tankers, and we were land-based patrol aircraft based out of Diego Garcia going into Somalia, Djibouti, Muscat-Oman, Karachi, Pakistan. Our job is to keep an eyeball on the Soviet fleet and any other bad actors in the Strait of Hormuz on the tankers that have been reflagged with American flags. The only point I would make is that peace through strength, as Reagan professed, is exactly what's required, and uh, I'm hopeful that that's what Mr. Uh, Trump is doing as well.
0: Well, let me ask you, too, and thank you for your service. Much appreciated. Now, let me ask you this, too. What do you make even, even of these code pink Republicans saying, Trump has provoked this, this is none of our business. Uh we shouldn't take military action over an unmanned drone. What do you say to people like that? I mean, you've been in combat.
8: No, I haven't been in combat. I was uh, just a, a peacetime warrior, but the Well, the, you
0: were a peacetime warrior. I
8: I, th- I think these folks are out there and I think they're catering to what they I, you know, I think I think their fingers are in the wind. I think they're catering mm-hmm. to whoever or whatever their constituency might be and potentially having it both ways. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's an interesting point having it both ways but can you see that if if the iranians if there's no pushback on the iranians for what they're doing that'll just get worse
8: well absolutely and i had a, a conversation with a very close relative this past weekend about that and the question was what are we going to do and i said well look we, we've been at war or it's been asymmetric war since 1979 possibly before that um, it, maybe it's time for us to stand up for ourselves. And, and that doesn't mean that every action des- it requires an immediate and uh, equal reaction, but it does require a long game, and it does require the proverbial line in the sand, as Mr. Reagan would do.
0: Here's what bothers me when people say we've been in enough wars. They make it like we're the the instigator of wars. That's number one. The reason we're in Afghanistan and we went into Afghanistan is because we were struck from Afghanistan. Uh so, I mean, when people say, well, look, we've been in Afghanistan all these years. So so that's the concern uh, that I would point out. But the idea that these evil forces all over the world, these genocidal maniacs all over the world, these these uh, governments, whether it's China and Russia and, and so forth, that they're going to stand down because America has decided, you know, we've had enough of these things. We're just not going to do them anymore is so ludicrous. We live on a big planet with all kinds of governments, all kinds of psychopaths running their governments, all kinds of extraordinarily dangerous weapons, you can't just stand down. you got to be prudent in what you do, but prudence doesn't mean that you stand down. Does that make sense to you?
8: Well, absolutely. And take take a look at the, um, the formerly barrier islands, not right, even barrier islands, the reefs that were uh, exposed at low tide in the South China Sea that are now fully armed uh, islands that we did nothing about in the uh, obama term um, if if we had stood up against that we wouldn't have some of the challenges that we have today and probably will have in the future as a, as a result of those things existing
0: that's a great point point. and maybe if uh, past presidents had been as tough on north korean people what do you mean tough on north korea we have a lot of military assets off that peninsula don't we sir
8: I think it's uh, I think it's drawn down somewhat. It used to be about sixty thousand troops in Korea, and uh, we I'm still sorry.
0: we still have a nuclear sub and we still have an aircraft fleet.
8: Uh, absolutely. In fact, a uh, young man I worked with a long time ago is the was the commander of the Reagan, and he's now fleeted up to a broader role in uh, in in that area of operations as well.
0: That's a nice, big, beautiful nuclear sub, isn't it?
8: Uh Well, actually, it's a carrier, and uh, it's a, it's a lovely piece of gear. Yes, sir.
0: Okay. Well, I knew it was one or the other. All right, Robert. Thank you for your call, my friend. That's right. It's a brand-new carrier. Let's go to, uh, well, I just can't go with this conspiracies. I just can't do it. Mike, Stafford, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go right ahead.
1: Yes. Um, hey, I am apologize up front. I've been head down working, and I haven't. Bought your book, but I'm looking forward Oh,
0: to you it. don't need to apologize for that.
1: Uh, no, I'm always looking at different points of view and somebody who's going to call a spade of spades, a spade, a Roses a rose, and a skunk a skunk.
0: Yeah. Now, you're yes. a truck driver, you said?
1: No. I, I work for the government. Okay. Um, Go ahead. Yes, I believe President Trump needs to take a stance, needs to retaliate, but he needs to retaliate against a military target.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not. You know, unless an oil rig or an oil tanker is being manned by military people, it's it's it would be the wrong target to hit.
0: But I, I, at least in the past with the Operation Praying Manus, that's what they did. They used these oil rigs for oil, but they also heavily armed them. That's one of the reasons they took them out. Their intelligence told them.
1: So if they have offensive capability, yeah, okay. Then and you're
0: you're a vet, right?
7: Yeah, I'm a retired marine.
0: God bless you, man. I'll tell you what. Do we have any audio there, Mr. Producer? I'll tell you what. We're going to send you, Mike, an an audio, a CD of the book. Would you like that?
1: Yeah, I would like it.
0: All right. Hang on. Don't hang up. Thank you for your service, my friend. We've had great calls. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. I'll see you on Hannity on Fox in 30 minutes. Don't miss it. Don't forget... Get your copy of Unfreedom of the Press. Hop right on to Amazon.com or any retail store. I hope you'll do it tonight. And I'll see you tonight
6: and tomorrow. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.